Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. The first thing I noticed in the photo was my beard. It looks good. It's it's really getting no, out there. When mine did that, when I let mine grow out, it just looked kind of too wild and f- I don't know. Yeah, yours, it's a lot of work. Yours looks been, pulled together. I've been growing this one out since I was twelve. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not not really getting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James Johnson, and I'm here as always with my co-host Nick Houston. Nick, how are you doing today? I am doing well. We had almost a tornado kill us today. Yeah, it's another like. great day at Northside. It's another great day at Northside. You know, we were under a little bit of a warning. Yeah, we were. We yeah, had to we go down were, to the basement. We had to go to the basement, and there's a little bit of water in the building. Is there? Oh, yeah. That's not, that's not good. I also found out, my wife called me, there's a little bit of water in my house. It sounds like there's a little bit of water everywhere. Yeah. Right. We just redid the uh, redid that basement oh, room no. with the new stuff, yeah. and we had art not yet hung on the walls, leaning up against the walls, and yeah, that's all in about a half inch of water right now. Oh, my gosh. Half inch of water. Yeah, no, it was. It rained hard. Oh my god! And fast. So All right. I mean, that's the same problem here. Uh-huh. It rained so hard, so fast. Water started just coming in the doors. I live on like the third story of an apartment complex. So if I have water in my house, it's a serious problem. That's like a that's like a Noah biblical event. Yeah, I'm hoping you will have already that. started loading the ark at that point. That's that's right. That's right. We have a very special guest with us today, somebody who we've been trying to get on the podcast for years and years and years, and actually was the very first guest on the Dialogic Disciple podcast when we did mm-hmm. our beta version four years ago. Yeah. Uh, but we have today Matt Jackson with us. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I don't remember that. Yeah, I'm welcome. Sure. <laughs> you don't I remember? feel like the, uh, seat, the episode two character that replaced you in the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're the you're the William Shatner to uh, whoever played Chris Pike, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How you doing today, Matt? How's your how's your how's your spring going? Your summer, not your summer, but your uh, Easter tide. How's that going? It's good. It's good. You know, things are getting somewhat back to normal. Yeah. And uh, everybody wants to do everything right now, so it's you schedules got big, and got big plans for the summer. Do anything fun? We were talking about going to the beach last week. I think. Yep. Um, um, you have any beach plans? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. You know, kids are busy, and I just, I just go where they tell me. Yeah. Where my wife tells me to. You take play them. baseball all summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of baseball. Is that does that continue through the summer? It does. Probably same, through the middle of July, anyway. Same league. Yeah. 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 I mean. Yeah. You got so your son. I don't know if everyone uh, listen, who listens to this podcast knows who you are, but you have a son named Sky Jackson, who I think is the like the best baseball name, <laughs> baseball player name ever. It's right up there. I mean, that's somebody that ought to ought to get famous. Yeah, you know? he's going to be a Dodger someday. Hopefully, yeah, not a Yankee, about that way. But maybe a Dodger. We'll on the see. way in, I saw a billboard with Dansby Swanson on it, and I was like, oh, that he's kid like a knew he was going to be an athlete. <laughs> well, that's true, but. Oh man, I remember we went to a staff baseball game, and we, you and I, Matt, we snuck down to the like the very back behind the the dugout, and we like waved at Dansby Swanson. Mm-hmm. He waved Did back we? at us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you have no memories. Like Matt Jackson just deletes everything from his mind. I do after like done to. Experience. I like to let go. You know, I like, like to let go. He don't remember the stuff he did that was shady, but you do. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Right? He's just got a little more sense. Yeah, yeah. that's that's probably good. That's probably good. Well, Matt, you um, you are the uh, director of worship for our contemporary worship service here. I don't know what your official title is. Does, does he have an official title? He's the director of contemporary worship. The director of contemporary worship for our uh, 9 a.m. service here at uh, at Northside. How long have you been here now, Matt? May will be six years. Uh, well, I guess it is May. May 5th. It's gonna be May. <laughs> <laughs> I think May... I guess May first. What's today? Okay. Yeah, today's May third. days ago. So. Wow, you've been here six years. Six years. Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy. Is that the longest you've served? In I one think place? we'll take off last year, so I've been here five years. <laughs> okay, I'm adding five years for last uh, year. Okay, eleven years. <laughs> I've eleven been here 11 years. years. There you go. Wow. Yeah. That's what it feels like. That's amazing. After mm-hmm. last year. Tell us a little bit about what you uh, what what you do. What, tell us a little bit about how you. I want to get. I I want to know how you craft the sound for Sunday morning. 
because <laughs> yeah, it what? is its own flavor. Like it's, it's cool. Well, tell you, before we get to that though, let me let me ask a couple um, questions about just you and and how you got to Northside. Oh, Church, I'm sorry. Right? More biographical. Yeah, yeah, let's do some biographical stuff because I, I know that there's some people out there who maybe go to the traditional worship service and don't know who Matt Jackson is, and they hear that sound that that distinct sound coming from the Faith and Arts Center, but they don't know what's going on in there. Um, and there are some people in there who may not know Matt <laughs> yeah, Jackson. That's true, too. That's very true. They know him on stage, but... So, Matt, if you don't mind, man, tell us a little bit about um, how, how did you get here? Like, what, where did you... How did you grow up in the faith? How did you come to the faith? And and how did you decide that you were going to be a, a Christian rock star? Like, how does that, how does that uh-huh. process happen? Uh, the people well, want to know. Let's, <laughs> let's take Christian rock star off the... <laughs> Just out of the vocabulary just rock star star. yeah um well my dad was a an evangelist and so that's all i really knew as a kid and i um what's an evangelist he traveled around he preached in a different place every day oh okay and so sometimes that would be the streets on the back of a truck or sometimes that would be in Africa or Haiti or wow. Jamaica or um, that's a busy week right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Haiti. he always he always had missions, so he always had these little uh, buildings where and we had few uh, several of them, um, and probably because he he gave everything away. So um, if he felt like God told him to do it, be it if it was our car or uh, or you know money to pay the bills. Yeah. So we did move around a little bit, uh, not our home, but um, but these mission places that he would have. So um, um, those these mission, were like buildings, or yeah, they were buildings. Okay. And so uh, I just you know remember several of them as a kid, anyway. Um, and they would be uh, places during the week where he might bring. Um, uh, he would get businesses to donate things, you know, from food and clothes and things like that. So it would always store a lot of that kind of stuff. There would always be a couple of people living there from the streets, okay. you know, that he would just pour, I guess, his time into, loving on. Did he preach from there? Did he have services uh, And then there? some some places he would preach from. I, saw yeah. I was, was going to – my question was, like, what's the difference between a mission and a, and just a church building, like a, a church? Is there – Yeah. Yeah, some of these places I – would, I would say most of them probably he had some kind of service offering. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I was about ten, he 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 got a church okay. that we actually he bought a church, and then the downstairs was like the mission, okay, part. And then um, and the church was mostly made up of people. Uh, he preached in different prisons and jails throughout uh, Alabama um, and some of the southeast. But people who had loved ones in prison, my dad would uh, if they would begin to tell their family outside of prison about my dad the next thing you know you know it's on a sunday morning their family would be coming okay yeah because you know of the impact that he was having on the the life of the one that was in prison so uh so it was always a rotating cast though so yeah. you know for a couple of months there would be somebody who's driving an hour hour and a half two hours to come to church wow and also church would go for three hours or so you know music would be an hour hour and a half and then preaching and then more music afterwards and um yeah, it was a charismatic world. Uh, he was an Assembly of God evangelist for several years, and then he uh, saw some shady stuff kind of going on behind the scenes and called it out, and then, um, uh, you know, just felt like, I'm I'm out, so I guess. So free agent, basically. He was he was a bit of a rebel. He was a rough guy, you know, yeah. when he grew up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for example, a story is he... Him and his brother and their best friend was in, they were in a pool hall, you know, drinking and having a good time whenever they were younger, in their early twenties maybe. <clears throat> and my uncle, so my dad's brother and their friend, began to get in a uh, get in a fight. And my uncle pulled a knife on the other guy. And so my dad told him, he said, "Put your knife up, fight fair." Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't. So my dad throws his knife across the table <laughs> to the other guy. He's like, "If you're gonna fight fair, here's fair." Well, that guy takes a knife and cuts it from my uncle's eye up by his ear all the way down his chin and down his neck. So I only knew my uncle with a big beard. Yeah, because he he was hiding the scar. Yeah, but that's the kind of characters that he you know that he grew up um, like. And uh, that's true integrity right there. When he got saved, though, when he got saved, he got like radically saved. So he was the guy that went back into the pool halls telling everybody what Jesus had done for him. You know, and uh, and so he he was just he was not your typical Sunday morning, you know, yeah. uh, suit and tie Different, guy. Yeah. Um, he was 
that's yeah. that's an evangelist right there. Does that yeah. answer your question? Is that is that a full that, enough answer? <laughs> that was a great answer. <laughs> that came that came with a bonus story. It I've did. never heard that story before. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, wow. Those. So but anyway, so I, that that was my that was my upbringing. You know, okay. sitting. Uh, I so remember, you went you went with your dad on some of these uh well, speaking as a kid stuff? I always went, you yeah. know. I mean I just you know, yeah, I slept under the pew in the back till it was over, you know, and then I don't even remember getting in the car. Uh yeah, you know. Uh, and getting home. But I but yeah. Did I remember did you tell me one time that you did you start playing music for your for your dad? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was probably five or six and I was at a service and there was a kid that was probably ten or eleven playing drums in the church and uh Drums in the church. Yeah, so I, I got. I remember that being controversial when I was a kid. I, so we we um, I went home and immediately pulled all the pots and pans out of the <laughs> cupboard, you know, and yeah. began set up a drum kit in the floor. And um, yeah, not long after that, my dad comes home with a drum kit. And That's awesome. Puts in my room, yeah. So you started out as a drummer then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so I, I started playing drums around I don't know eight 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 or nine, and I would say by the time I was ten for sure, he would go preach and different churches and uh he'd say yeah, well my son plays drums you know when we'd get there early and he'd you know be meeting people and doing that kind of thing like yeah. before everybody else would get there the band would get there and be rehearsing or something he'd say well my son plays drums if you guys don't mind and then it was always awkward for this you know grown guy who's playing drums to have to get up and let this little kid sit down. <laughs> but it, it gave me incredible opportunities to yeah. play with all kinds of people because in that world of especially you know, in that charismatic world of, of church and music, I mean, music was just a really, really big part of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it, I mean, at what point did you feel like, uh, this is what I'm going to be doing, this is what God's called me to do, that you felt like yeah. you're going to be doing music in churches? Well, my when I was 14, uh, my dad came home and said, hey, I met met this lady that sang with uh, Leonard Skinner. And she was the one that had the dream and didn't get on the plane. Okay. And so she went and told everybody, I've oh, got I've wow. got this. Yeah, so that's wow, a whole yeah. that's a cool story, but anyway, she was like she had the dream, she's We're gonna like We're going to skip that one. No, we don't yeah. have time. <laughs> well, I don't know how much time well, yeah, we yeah. want to go into things, but no, you know. No, yeah. Uh it is a cool story, but she, you know, she gets up the next day and says I'm not flying. I, I yeah. had a dream that the plane goes down. And um and then it does. So she after that, she gave her life to God. She began to sing and uh, she, my dad met her and said, um, you know, why don't you come sing at the church? Yeah. And she said, well, awesome. I've got these other guys that have been playing sometimes, too. And they'll they'll play before me. And uh, they're the name of the band was Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And they sounded like kind of like Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, Southern rock and roll kind Christian of thing. Band. And we, I'd never seen anything like that. I'd only seen Southern gospel because yeah. uh, I'd either seen black gospel mm-hmm. um, or kind of a southern country gospel like boom truck which i say like, like not well definitely gaither but um but what i grew up more under was kind of like what i do around here when i do i saw the light or uh-huh. yeah. you know, okay. jesus yeah, on yeah, the yeah. main line it's just that boom truck boom truck boom truck boom mm-hmm. and and it you know it'll go for an hour um and just go through 20 different songs uh what am i going we say you know yeah. and all that uh, people dancing and you know clapping and it's just it's a really really loud. It's it's a, a white version. Like, why don't we have a service like that where we just do an hour long service of singing old get, gospel hymns? Yeah, well, so uh, that's what all I really knew uh, is that world. So these guys come in and they look like uh, I guess Nirvana was just coming out about that time, <laughs> but they 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 were. Southern rockers, but they kind of adapted that grunge thing that was also beginning to happen okay. in the, so in the early jeans, early nineties. Flannel shirts, flannel shirts, and and Doc Martens or combat boots oh, kind of Doc thing. Martins. You know? mm. Camouflage, yeah. long big yeah. shirts. You know, just baggy clothes. Just that whole grunge thing that was going on. And um, I'd never Southern seen grunge gospel rock. Oh, yeah, man, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> I had never seen anything. Well, the the ages were pretty different in the band. Like there was a guy that's probably twenty one, and he was the singer and. Of course, he was in college, so he he was probably heavily influenced by grunge. So he was dressed that way. And then the other guys were just these older country kind of okay. guys that were. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Smells like the Holy Ghost. Is yeah. That- Whoa. That <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh man, the number of Christian band names we could come up I with. I know, those. right? Mm. I know. Well, these guys came in, man, okay. and, and blew my mind. Yeah. I had never seen anything like it in church, especially, uh, and had really never seen anything like it. In person, you know, being was it the 14. quality of it or the or just the sound of it? I mean, it was the 
the whole the whole thing. Yeah. But I mean, the singer was going crazy. No, no and... haze and lights. I mean, this was none of that stuff. They didn't do that stuff at all. Yeah. Uh, anywhere at that time, you know. I mean. Yeah, you just had even concerts only had like park ends. I mean, they didn't really. <laughs> so this is like, just this talent. Is, this is it's just sheer talent. This is just presence. Presence. Okay. okay. This is like authenticity, mm. uh, passion. Okay. So these guys get up and begin to play music, of course, and and unbelievable. But then, but their lyrics are just are worship. But um, and I, I can't even. And their name speaks to it, Pentecost, yeah, yeah. right? But they, it was like a battle cry, lyrically. Wow, okay. you know, of yeah. like mm-hmm. life and death. That here's your here's your options. Yeah. And as a thirteen or fourteen, I was probably thirteen year old kid, almost fourteen. Here's here's this thing that my dad had talked about forever that I grew up in the church all my life, knowing of this weight, you know. And I I I only knew of more of spiritual things yeah you know what i mean like we that's all my life was so um yeah so seeing these guys present it in their way blew my mind they kind of cut through at the end of the night you know uh at the end of the night they like set up they had a prayer line so they had everybody come together like and kind of face each other yeah and in a big line uh so you got two lines and everybody's facing each other and then one person at a time would come and walk through the aisle oh, and wow. while that person walks down through the middle everybody's praying for that person and t- reaching their hand touching them and the next person next person they did that and act? then when you get to the end the person up here goes in and the and the people down here form oh that's cool it gives me chills remembering yeah it, you know yeah. it was so powerful that's it was really so cool. so powerful and that night at the end of the night i was like god if i if this is what it looks like if i can serve you and it and it looked like this yeah you know but so that's when it went from my parents' faith to mine. And, that's cool. And I began to like really press in. Have you followed up with that band at all? Do you know what happened oh, to them? I followed that band everywhere for about a year and a half until um, less than a year and a half, probably a year, and uh, they connected me with another band called Cross Examination. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. So Cross-examination. I I go. I'm 14 years old. My dra- my dad drives me like an hour to go see these guys, and they all have extremely long, shaggy hair. They look like uh, <laughs> a, a, a 80s hair band. Yeah. yeah. Like um, twisted sister. <laughs> out of, like something. Right. You know what I mean? And they've all got dangly earrings uh-huh. lo- and uh, leather jackets with tassels. <laughs> I mean, wow, the identities colliding over like where because I'm trying to place this like in contemporary Christian at the time. Like, where are we hitting in with jars of clay? There was no contemporary Christian at this time. Yeah. Well, you're talking around 93. You're talking you're talking that you didn't listen to. You're talking about DC talk. You're talking about. No, DC talk wasn't out yet. You're talking about. Uh, Carmen would be the biggest Carmen. name in the world. You know, oh, uh, and he just died. He just died yeah. in February. But that would be mainstream, and then like Mylon Lefevre would be a mainstream. But uh, in the rock and in the Christian world of music, you had yeah. like Bloodgood, White Cross might have been someone. Yeah, that like Petra probably was Petra out there. was out yeah. at that time. Um, I, I don't. Deep just Deep Stock <laughs> dropped free at last in 1993. Was it? So that was one of my. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're but, talking like art. But you're, you're talking, but, yeah. But I, yeah, I, that's true. I could, I, that's my true. parents, if they try to turn me on, I mean, I did not like DC. Yeah, you couldn't. Any yeah, yeah we I mean, had I, that conversation. I was before. like a rock, you know, I liked rock and roll. But these guys, I did not like heavy metal. Right. And these guys right. were like heavy metal guys, right? So, but they were Christian. Sorry, this is cross examination. Cross examination. Cross examination. Right. So these guys, heavy metal these guys Christian. would go open up for Pentecost. Okay. So I'm 14. Uh huh. And my dad would drive me, or they would drive and get me, 45 minutes to an hour to come get me at my house, and I would go on the weekends. And they'd come check me out of school on Fridays. My parents put them on the list. So this band would check wow. you out? Yeah, pull, they'd come pull Were up in a van. Were you playing for them? I, was, I started playing bass guitar for them. Okay, okay. I was sorry, I didn't. Yeah, I was like, I, was like you're, I thought you were just kind of a groupie. Kind of uh, no, 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 That's no. what I was thinking, like, roadie or no, you No, no, no. So the band Pentecost, they up. told me when I, I would go see them play all the time, and I was like, you know, at some point in time, they said, uh, you know, we know these guys that are looking for a bass player. Okay. And I said, well, yeah, I'd like to go try out. So I went and tried out with them and then started playing with them. That's awesome. So from, four, yeah, 14, I started playing with so those guys. So we're going from drums to bass. Yeah. And um, 
and we would set up in parking lots and play and then the guys in the band would like give their testimony and begin to share people and would pull up in parking lots sit on their cars and listen yeah and then uh i mean people would come up and get saved afterwards or That's come awesome. up and get prayed for and things like that um and we did that like all over the southeast traveled all over the place on the weekends so at 14 i was doing that and that band had some is- had a, some issues with a couple of people and moving and things like that and and so Pentecost were like, well, come play with us. And, and so I was I can't even really play guitar. Like, but don't worry about it. We won't even turn you on. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I went and bought a big guitar rig, and, uh-huh. and he showed me how to play some of the, their songs, and I practiced and practiced, and I went out and started playing with Pentecost at 15. Okay, okay. And, uh, so you became part of the band. Became part of that band, yeah. And so and all these and those guys like cross examination. Those guys were a good bit older than me. They were like, if I was I was fourteen, they were probably the youngest was twenty five up to okay. like thirty yeah. something. And then Pentecost was a little. They were all about five to ten years older than me. Okay. So um, this is good at mentor age. Yeah. Oh man, what I think of what I would be doing at that age of my life. I mean, the kids that I grew up with. Um. Yeah, the kids that I grew up with, everybody's dropping out of school and yeah. getting people pregnant, and yeah. uh, several of them died in car wrecks in high school. You know, from drinking and driving, because I, well, I didn't grow up in a great part of town. Right, you know, we right. didn't have a lot of money or anything like that. Yeah. So, so I had these two crazy worlds, and then, but yeah, that music man saved my life. There's so some really irony good. in that, that that hitting the road with the band is what saved your life, because usually, usually that's right. not how that story that's goes. What, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. The band wasn't called Pentecost. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, so from there, I uh, so at uh, sixteen, I think at fifteen years old, actually, uh, funny story is, the band Pentecost. We were playing at a church in Birmingham called uh, uh, Shades Mount Baptist Church. Okay, we all called it Six Flags Over Jesus. It was like this humongous church, you know. Shout out to and uh, Baptist Church. Yeah. So we were we were gonna play there for their youth night or something. Okay. And uh, the Six guys, flags over Jesus. the guys were. Uh, the guys yeah. were running late in the band, so they called me and said, hey, call this person and let them know we're running late. So I called, and I was like, oh, this little girl answered. I said, hey, is your mommy home, you know? And the girl then gave me some attitude. I was like, no, you know, whatever. And um, So now fast forward about a year, I meet Molly, my wife, and find out that that was her that I called. That was your her, wife? Her mom was the youth pastor at that church that I called and asked, is your mom ah, the one giving you attitude? And, uh, the one giving me attitude, yeah, yeah. So it started so, early. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> yeah. so I met her uh, on the phone before, a year before I How about that? actually met, met her, and now we've been married 21 years. That's but, amazing. Um, but through her, through meeting her, uh, I, I started playing in another band when I was 16, met some guys, uh, not doing Christian. So you met your wife at 16? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. He's got you beat even. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Pentecost, um, the singer of that band, uh, moved off. And so that band kind of stopped. Disintegrated. Yeah. We tried to do some stuff, but yeah, pretty much stopped. And, um, you weren't ready to take the vocals yet? Mm-mm. Yeah. I wasn't really singing at that time. <laughs> and this is everybody's, they're all working other jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is a weekend thing. This is a nights. And oh, yeah. This, this is, is a, a no money thing. This, this is, is a yeah, all yeah. money. They're all spending their own money because okay. they felt led that this was their ministry. Because this you know? is their ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You think funny. about that for just say like the connections that happen, particularly in the stories that, that I've heard from you and in this story right here that you're telling us right now, like you would not be here right now if that if that group of people didn't yeah. decide to follow that call, right? And get out there and, and spend their own money and do their own thing and mm-hmm. play the music. If you hadn't heard them, who knows what you know, God probably would have got you some other way, but you wouldn't probably be sitting here right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's fascinating. Yeah. And I wouldn't be sitting yeah. here talking to you. Who knows? You know, like it's just insane right. to think about all the little connections like that. Yeah. Just because one group that seemed like it might have been, yeah. maybe didn't work out, did the thing that they were supposed to be doing. Well, through that band, I met this. Um, I started going to this church over in, in, in Bessemer. And so that, and I remember. Uh, which is just outside Hueytown where I grew up. And uh, I remember going to my dad and saying, Dad, you know, uh, my dad didn't have a youth ministry in his church, right? I mean, it was a random group of people all the time. And I led worship. I started leading worship there a lot. Um was not good, but uh, I, I did it with some, a couple other people. And uh, I went to him and said, hey, I, I really want to go to the church as a youth group that's really active. And uh, 
And that was a hard thing to tell my dad I'm going to go to another church, but mm-hmm. he, he let me do it, you know? Yeah. He encouraged me. He's like, if you're following Jesus, I'll, I'll go wherever you want, you know? That's awesome. And so uh, so I did that, and that's where I met um, I met them through Pentecost playing there. But through that, I met a guy that uh, was a drummer, and I thought, well, I'll come check out your band, and, and they needed a bass player. So I went over to do that. We practiced one time, and he's like, let's have a house party and, and invite all our friends over, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where I met my wife officially, is that she okay. came because she liked the singer in the band. And, uh, so I, I saw her, and I'm like... Uh, bass I'm like, player's for you. I said, how you doing? And uh, and she was not interested at all because she was there for that guy. Right. But uh, She wanted John Lennon. She but, didn't uh, want Paul McCartney. Yeah. I chased her down, and... Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. great. I, I I did not know that. I did not yeah. know that story at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's how I. Yeah, okay. met, her, met her through music. So, um, of course, and her brother played in a band as well, which was a Christian band that, uh, but a bunch of young guys, and they played in a lot of the same circles as Pentecost. So back in those days, there there was a whole underground kind of. I was thing. about to say you're like doing the underground Christian yeah, there music were, thing. There were about. 15 or 20 bands yeah uh, there was a big warehouse that hopefully somebody that hears this right now will give me a big warehouse mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> because in birmingham there was a big warehouse that that was called crush warehouse mm-hmm. and they had christian they had concerts four or five nights a week and I, i've mentioned to you sometimes i yeah. mean yeah. like that changed my life and there's a uh, there's like a facebook group of hundreds of people that all comment all the time you know when people find pictures and things like that because all of their lives were changed yeah. drastically by this little community that of, of people that were making music and yeah and and every night i mean they were going to make a bunch of music and it was going to be cool and different it wasn't like trendy or um contemporary right. christian radio mm-hmm. you know what i mean it, it wasn't was, like point it, of grace yeah or... it's nothing i mean you tell your kids to do that they're not michael they're, w smith right. right but when kids can find stuff like that on their own yeah then it becomes their identity and right. their unique experience and and that's when god can use those opportunities to drastically just open up a new world so as it did for me and, and a lot of other people so um yeah there uh see that's a ministry music. opportunity i didn't have on my radar previously but yeah. now i'm like man i could i could train production techs i could <laughs> yeah like this needs to be a thing we need a warehouse we need a warehouse yeah, we do man <laughs> there's a world out there's an underground world out there of that and and of course i mean I'm, cultivate people's is that, gifts is that world still around is that do you know i'm sure you probably i don't know i think i now, think but. christian music has been so purchased yeah that it's lost it's you know authenticity and heart what do you mean by that purchased it's been purchased with money i mean money controls things Man, i know how purchasing works <laughs> but like well, when you I, say that christian music's been purchased you mean like big uh, record labels have bought it all up or uh well yes and no uh people who are um everybody wants to make a buck mm-hmm. and 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 you know that's why jesus said it's really hard for a rich man yeah to enter because money always distracts you yeah. know not you know yeah. just distracts so a good thing will get bought up quick and then uh packaged how do you how do you think that uh cuz i've i've been fascinated by this uh, myself over the course of i started with dc talk and and all that group jars of clay i never really got into some of the stuff that you're talking about um but you can definitely hear if you just take a band like Jars of Clay, for instance, and I don't know how well you might know them or not know them, but that first album that they had, uh, the self-entitled one, was amazing. The second one was okay, but then it started yeah. getting to where it was like it, lost it, it its... did lose heart, authenticity. I think that's a good way to talk yeah. about it. Like how and like how do you think that happens? Like why why is that the case? Well, you think about any of your uh, relationships or your job. Uh, there's always a honeymoon. Yeah. phase uh which is where the most beautiful art comes from it's why artists don't normally adapt into a society uh in a in a you know they don't adapt right yeah <clears throat> because if you once you begin to adapt then you begin to lose uh you going to sell out i guess is that yeah the word, and or? it's not a, i don't think it's an intentional thing i don't think right. anybody wakes up and goes oh today i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to go ahead and just yeah. you know cash in on this mm-hmm. and just give up it happens slowly uh, like little increments right? yeah I mean, yeah absolutely and uh so christian music was a whole underground let's call it say underground but you know uh for description but uh there was a lot going on there and of course 
once it was able to be monetized. Yeah. And uh, see, the reason it was so good at first is because it, it couldn't be monetized because the church wouldn't accept it. Right. Right. It right. was not accepted in the church. I mean, I remember going, I remember get, getting asked to come sing places at 17 or so that when we'd start to unload the drum kit, they'd come out and go, whoa, 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 you can't bring those in here. Yeah. It's like, well, we'll just head on back out of here then. But yeah. but there was that tension of things. and, and um, So it wasn't culturally acceptable, so, it couldn't be monetized, but now, yeah, they would say the same thing about like grunge music and stuff like that, right? It was like a situation oh, yeah. where, it, you know, or hip-hop. It, well, like, you've heard, maybe a little bit off topic, but how upset Kurt Cobain was that Smells Like Teen Spirit turned into yeah. what it turned into. Yeah, the, the the anthem of grunge music and the anthem of our generation. Right, as your as music goal goes. as a grunge musician was not to create an anthem. Right. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Like, that's not supposed to <laughs> be... I mean, thus, thus, probably his. Uh, but you, I mean, he was, he was a, he was a. Yeah, there's a whole. World yeah, there's a whole. Oh well, yeah, there's a lot going yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that's really nice to say after cashing a check, being like, "Well, I didn't really want that to happen. I didn't want to sell. Well, I mean, twenty him, million records. Yeah, well, him taking his life, probably a. Yeah. All connection to. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we should have got him an underground Christian music man, and we would have yeah. been good. But but everything, you know, explodes at yeah. the beginning. Well, but that's and and then it. To me, it sounds like the key for all that was that it was, I don't want to say amateur in a negative way, but amateur in that it was unpaid. Yeah. In mm-hmm. that it was people living out their ministry, living out their call mm-hmm. versus right. their job versus, you know, like yeah. doing it to make money. Like, right. Yeah. That's what, you know, when you've got, because like to have that warehouse space where everybody's going to come out and you're just going to let kids set up their bands and play, mm-hmm. somebody's got to own it. Yeah, somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to deal with the liability insurance. Somebody's got to. Yeah. You like there was somebody letting all that happen, right? As part of their ministry. Well, that's the reason. That's yeah. As part. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, as part of their ministry, which is a really beautiful thing when you find people who are generous. Yeah. Um, When people are generous with what they've been blessed with, that you know, that's that's when a lot of beauty can happen. I mean, that's how that's how art works. I mean, yeah. Because if the artist gives in to trying to make the bills work yeah then he's no longer an artist i mean he he it's a tough place to be yeah right i mean it's a tough place to be uh i have a family you know i have responsibilities i would i would love to just be the artist mm-hmm. um and then it's it's a tightrope yeah and, but um hopefully i can return it back to the to a younger generation you know like my experiences and yeah kind of what we're talking about but anyway there's stages of life i mean um but for me, that was my experience there. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you on the on the aspect of like an artist almost has to be, in order to be, you know, in order to really follow their passion, whether it's a secular artist or a Christian artist or whoever, any kind of art um, or creativity in general, uh, almost has to be countercultural or uh, amateur or. Um, disconnected, well, some kind of freedom. Yeah, disconnected you have to freedom. Yeah. Because you hear of writers who say, "Well, uh, they went away for a year or seven months, six months to a house in the woods by uh-huh. themselves." You know, yeah. I mean, I think like, oh, that if I could do that yeah. with my <laughs> next great, record, right? that's you know, but, um, yeah, because there's no, you can't put time constraints on art, right? You know, um, and even less so on the Holy Spirit, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, when it comes into yeah. letting the Spirit move through what you do. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's what. But that's why. Uh, Sorry, that's funny to me because I've literally looked at people on staff and said, "I understand that's how you work, but I just need you to start working on the spirit to move a week earlier so we can get this planned." <laughs> yeah. He's looking no, at me. No, folks. you're. You are. Uh, <laughs> oh, not just you. It's you know, but man, it's your gifts of thinking like that that help. Yeah. True. That true. That make things move forward. It's the community. Because, uh, yeah, we all work together. So when I met Molly uh, and her mom was at this big Baptist church, right? Um, they were. And she was a youth director there. Is that she right? was a youth yeah. director, like assistant youth pastor, right? Okay. And the youth the youth group may have had like two hundred fifty kids in oh, it or wow, something. Okay. It was big, yeah, big. Huge. And if they went to like camp or something, they probably took a thousand kids. I mean, wow. big church. What? So they should just own a camp. You've got a thousand kids. Come yeah. on. So they um, a Wednesday night would have a couple of hundred, two hundred fifty kids or something, and I started going on Wednesday night with Molly you know, for to church, 16, and uh, the music, they would do like a song or two, and it would be horrible. 
like, <laughs> and especially based off my experience, right? So so far with now music, you've been like right? touring in the underground Christian rock, yeah. World. yeah. From from doing those things to to growing up in church where music was an hour, hour and a half yeah. long, you know, in a church service every night, you know, sometimes seven nights a week, uh, to to somebody getting up there and trying to sing two songs that were really bad, you know. Yeah. So I told myself, if you tell your mom if she wants, like I don't really want to do this, but I just felt. Like, <laughs> You if, felt despair. Now, I did. Now you've got a call. I did. I was like, <laughs> honestly, that's probably a thing in background. I've never thought of this, but I was like, I don't, you know, if she wants help, I'll come to it. So the next week, I'm up there doing it. And <laughs> it took uh, one week. <laughs> and kids are like crying. Yeah. And they felt like they felt the Holy Spirit, yeah, you know? Yeah. But I came from that world where I knew how to immediately get in that space, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and. So I brought him with me, and that's when I really felt like, okay, God's called me to do okay. something. Yeah. I, I have this gift of that. And from that, I began to get phone calls at 16, 17, 18 years old, all, and, then, and, and then more and more, of course, as I got into college. Um, hey, and, and it would be churches, Methodist, Baptist, whatever. Hey, uh, I don't really know how to say this but or how to word it, but I was talking to so-and-so youth pastor. He said you could— kind of you could lead worship like really get our kids involved or something i mean usually they just jump around and yell and throw balloons while we do music and then yeah we try to calm them down when somebody speaks and i'm like uh yeah okay you know we heard you got and, a gift yeah so for controlling I, teenagers I, yeah can you, exactly can you come join us please <laughs> i hated that yeah i i yeah. hated that phone call but uh but i loved going and doing it and then yeah and then being like uh God using me like that, yeah, and it, and it was like everywhere I would go, that's how it'd be. Yeah, it'd be like I don't know what I experienced tonight. That you know, but what was happening in the Baptist church about that time? There was a book called Experiencing God that came out. I remember that book. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and so they went from this idea of we can sing only songs about God to we can sing songs to God. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and that was a big shift because I growing up all these vineyard songs and some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big, Vineyard was a really big movement that was yeah. happening among like Simply God and, and some of that charismatic world. And they were really, they were, they were, you know, now we look back and there are a lot of cheesy type love songs to God, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. your name is like honey on my lips. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, which is very like Psalms. I mean, it's very, yeah. it's beautiful yeah. poetry. Um, but if you don't know God, then that sounds real weird yeah. um, to even use that <laughs> language, even if you do know him. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but still, uh, you know, that was the, what was going on at that time. So when I began to bring those songs over into more traditional settings, um, it was just in the same way we were saying, a, a new experience. It was fresh. It was, whoa, I've never encountered anything quite like yeah. this. So, um, yeah, so from that time, I began leading worship and traveling somewhere yeah. to a different place. Probably by the time I was 18 years old, you know, um, every day, every night. I've seen you perform in a couple different contexts um and and obviously here at worship and i think one of the one of the things that i could definitely point out as a spiritual gift something i think that you're describing right now is you can feel it seems like you can feel the ebb and flow of what's happening with the spirit in the room right um and even when it's not necessarily a worship context like you can feel kind of like how the people are responding or how maybe how the spirit of god is moving in that room and it, it, you do seem to on the fly be able to it's just in the tone mm. of your voice or the little things you'll say between songs or whatever um and i, I find that amazing like that's a gift that i don't know that a lot of people have mm. um but the way that you're describing your the way you were brought up I, I can see how that got developed i can see how that that definitely i appreciate uh, it I, even as you say that I, I really i think back to my dad like we'd be pumping gas so many times i remember things like we'd be pumping gas and the next thing you know, my dad would be chatting with the person pumping on the other side. And then they're over there praying at the car, you know. Yeah. And one time I'm in the car and I keep looking back where they are. And he's on the ground kneeling with the guy, yeah. you know, praying yeah. for him. And so my dad was really yeah, sensitive like that. Yeah. He would, because he if he felt led, then it's like God would give him the words. And all of a sudden this person would be breaking down, crying over there, you know, sharing his life story. Um, and so that was a sensitivity that my dad had um, for sure. And I guess I... Yeah. yeah, I've never thought of that actually. Um, let's talk a little bit about how we do contemporary worship here at the church. Um, you know, Nick, you asked before how you put a service together. I'm also interested in how we got to the particular sound that we have in our contemporary worship because it is something unique, something special that I don't, I have not heard anywhere else. 
Maybe maybe start with um maybe a good way to get into it is to start with the evolution of what you've done here at Northside. Yeah. So where did you start? What did it sound like before? And then where are we now? You know, coming here for a little while, I remember telling Gil, you know, I'd go have lunch with him once a week, and I'd say, I have no idea what I want to do here yet. <laughs> I have no idea, you know. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I kind of guess I grew into the thought that if people want mainstream contemporary worship, well, they can just they can drive a couple of blocks. Yeah. Near us and see, you know, go experience that anywhere. Yeah. So um, there's plenty of churches offering all that same sound everywhere. And uh, that, along with uh, a friend of mine that, that has grown up in Atlanta, I began to ask him, you know, recommendations for some musicians to meet. And a lot of the guys he gave me were, um, or the ones that I gravitated to were, uh, you know, pedal steel players and mm-hmm. fiddle players and things like that. And so, and grow, being in the South here, uh, when I would bring in an instrument uh, like that, I would get a lot of comment, you know, of how much they loved it or while it reminded them of something as a kid. And so I just feel like that whole folk um, Americana sound uh, just that's where I got the biggest comments. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, if I did anything that was real mainstream sounding, um, I didn't get the same feedback. I think there was a shift. I think there was a, a noticeable and, and just real like shift in in that service when you went all in basically with that that folk sound i don't know is bluegrass a way to talk about it too i don't know what the genre we definitely is. have kind I of mean, have we, a, a, we, like what's it called a fusion of of different but we, that's definitely like when you went all in there i think that were, there was a a noticeable shift uh in, mm-hmm. in a positive way uh for that service nice yeah we, I mean, we have Sundays where there's elements of bluegrass a little more, you know, yeah. where we might use a banjo. But I think we kind of blend it all, and we kind of, I would, I would describe it as a bit of a folk Americana, okay. rock kind of thing. You know, I mean, we use horns at times too, mm-hmm. and uh, you love the so. horns. I always give you a hard time about the horns. I'm not a big fan of the horns, but yeah, I do like the horns. They're very. Uh, <laughs> That's my problem. They're percussive. Yeah, and, and percussion is what makes people want to move mm-hmm. whether they know it or not whether they know it or not yeah that that charismatic backgrounds yeah. seeping out mm-hmm. yeah well it's just where the goal we got to get some people moving around you can here. move these methodists man man that's a that's the the goal task um so so that's kind of where that's kind of how you got to the sound that we have now and, and some of the records and stuff that you've put out while you've been here at Northside. Mm-hmm. i think have been fantastic in in communicating that um can you talk to us a little bit about how you put together a worship service it's kind of on a on a day on a week to week basis like what kind of elements go into that well it depends i mean speaking uh musically or or or, yeah, or mean, song choices with uh you know well, that I, match the sermon cuz there's there's kind of both of those elements i don't know so i yeah, yes yes i mean all of that mm-hmm. all of that um yeah the uh, song choice i know i know a lot of that has to do with what what the theme of the service is going to be what the the, what the theme of the sermon is mm-hmm. um but then i sit there you know i'll come in and watch you warm up and practice uh, earlier on sunday mornings uh, just because that's usually that used to be the only time that i could i could see you know some some worship going on um and the way that you are with the band even in those moments where you're tweaking things and you're you're uh you know you're like you'll play through something you'll be like you know what guys let's take that half step back or let's let's change the tune here or why don't you come in here instead of coming in here you know mm-hmm. and like you're you're doing the the spiritual work of preparing worship in that moment and i'm just i'm curious about your method i'm curious about how you do yeah. all that well that's probably why i need good players as well because <laughs> i need people who can adapt uh in the moment yeah um uh, skill wise so um yeah, so I mean, I plan songs. Basically, we do a weekly worship planning meeting, um, and we hear what's going on. Um, it's a hard meeting to get into, by the way. That one of our top meetings we have here at Northside Church, the worship meeting. The weekly only worship. meeting in the building I don't go to. <laughs> I used to go, and I don't want to change that. <laughs> <laughs> one more meeting. So we do that meeting. It's it's more informational than it is anything else, but uh, but it, it does help us all be on the same page. But knowing what the sermon's going to be and kind of what the heart is behind that uh, helps me to pick the songs and then from there um i send out to the band um so oftentimes pre-recorded uh even even voice memo if i'm somewhere and i just hear something in my head and i grab yeah. my phone and sing it in my 
phone and then I send that to the violin player and say, Hey, this is what I hear for this little part, you know? Okay. Um, and they can, it's then the, the musicians are so good that they can just like hear that and be like, okay. Yeah. Emily would be out. like, Emily would, would, she's more of a chart. She would chart that out. Uh -huh. She, I mean, she plays by ear, but she would do that. Um, yeah. Or, um, especially when I take songs that everybody knows they sound like something else. And mm -hmm, then, mm -hmm. so that's when I go, that's when I'm at the studio and I just kind of recreate something. So yeah. I'll, I'll sit down with acoustic guitar and play it how I think, how I would want to hear it. Yeah. And then, uh, from there, sometimes I will fully develop the idea and I'll mess around with the drums and guitars and keys and I'll create a sketch so to speak for mm -hmm. everybody so that on Sunday morning we only have so much time to rehearse right so I, I need to give them something where I say here's the the sketch if you come in and you just play this we'll be fine but I also which all the players know I say don't don't memorize it don't learn it yeah. for fact because it's a sketch. once I come once you come in and I, that's where you were speaking to and yeah. you walk in and hear me calling changes uh, that's where once we start playing together I begin to feel it and hear it and then I can stop things and say you know what i don't like the way that went let's try change this or try this or let's change the key and let's do that and so there's a a lot of that last minute change stuff happening so if, you're, if you're putting together like sketches for three or four songs a week or whatever or just a couple like you're almost recording a mini album every week of of, of worship uh mm -hmm. that i we never get to hear we know we've got to do a sketches album sketches of matt jackson well you know bill does the uh sermon prep every week yeah we could go and record him in the <laughs> sanctuary and put together a sermon, i think that's the uh, thing you uh, i think i think you put that out after a person dies uh, <laughs> I <think>. maybe <laughs> maybe So that that leads me to ask if you're if you're willing to be a little confessional. Um, that leads me to ask a question like, uh, have you ever found yourself um, feeling like you're not you're not doing, you know, whether it was a particular service or a particular season, like whether you found yourself uh, where you weren't doing the the you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing with worship, like you you're just kind of going through the motions or whatever, uh, or or you weren't feeling what you were doing even if you did think you were doing what you're supposed to be doing if that makes any sense um and how did if, if that's if you ever had been through something like that like how do you how do you come out of that or how do you even become aware that you're doing it because i think someone like you i know that you get a lot of compliments right you get a lot of people who come up to you and be like that was amazing but i know that you're also you have a little bit of a perfectionist in you when it comes to music and you can you can be the kind of kind of person I know this because I'm I'm this kind of person. You can be the kind of person where somebody can be looking you down the eye and say that was amazing, but in the back of your head you're like, no, nah, it wasn't, right? So I, I'm just curious as to whether or not you you ever go through those mm -hmm. kinds of either a worship service or a season like that, and how do you get out of it? Well, if you're willing to be confessional, absolutely. But, yeah. I, but as a younger man, I would have uh, I would have begin to experience a season like that and I would have left town or changed my scenery or changed my job or changed you know really I mean I traveled and only did a different church or a different place of music yeah every night um, for years and years right so I wasn't it was always another group of people in yeah. a different place you just changed context so yeah. that that helped a lot during my, my younger years but to uh, in two thousand, I gave a kidney to my dad in two thousand and three, and so that's when I got real shook in life. I went yeah. from being like you know, um, I got real disillusioned by. I was traveling around with guys like Chris Tomlin and Charlie Hall and mm -hmm. David Crowder and those guys all in the same circles and leading worship for different camps and conferences and stuff. And and then when I got the call that my dad's kidney was turned out, I came home, got tested up, found out I could do that, and I, and I did. I woke up from that surgery different. I looked at the whole Christian music world um, as a uh, as it had been bought. It had lost all the heart really? that I had. It's a business, and it had lost all the heart that I had originally grown up in. Yeah, and uh, the zeal and the passion and the authenticity and the um, just that you know. What was it about that particular experience that, that woke you up like that? I mean, I think I went from being everything's great to everything's not. Yeah, and so it was a it was a shift in in um, perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, kind of what I said earlier. You know, yeah. everything's the same until it's not, mm -hmm. and uh, we see what we see until we 
see something else. And so that was a moment for me in life like that where everything changed. And, uh, you know, uh, that gave me what it did, I believe, to answer your question is there's seasons where I don't feel it. And uh, that doesn't mean it's not being. It's not there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when people come up and say things about it, um, no matter how I feel about it, that's the goal, you know, is that it's for others. That's good. Anyway. Yeah. and and yeah, being older now too, even just to think, you know, to walk this line of what we're talking about being an artist and being a, you know, in, you know, a norm, dad and a normal human life. Yeah, being, yeah. yeah. So there's just a, I can't give too much into emotions. Right. You can't just pack up and leave like you used to be. Able to. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think the, uh, the corollary question, like for pastors, we would say, you know, who pastors the pastors? Right. You know, who worship leads the worship leaders. Yeah. Like, do you worship during worship? Or what would worship look like for you if you weren't leading worship? If if I'm not worshiping, I won't do this very long. I'll quit. I quit. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm not engaging. And that's what I mean ultimately is like I'm not up there. When when you guys use words like performing or yeah. you're joking with me, I take those as jokes because I, you know, when I first got here, somebody came up to me who now attends that service. Yeah, I, I, and, I was here. And was, I was not a fan of that service of uh, the contemporary service. And what do you call it? Like an entertainment hour? Said we want to we want to get rid of this entertainment or move this entertainment hour. Yeah. So it quits conflicting with real worship. <laughs> and uh, man, you know, I just stood eyeball to eyeball, and I was like, until you come over here for a period of time and you experience this. Yeah. Don't ever let those words come out of your mouth again because that's poison. Yeah. You know, like until you come experience it yourself. And then And now he now he's in there, yeah, you know. Now he's in there. Which is beautiful. And but um, you know, it's it's not a performance. Right. You know, right. I mean, I want to put everything in place yeah. so that the musicians can perform their duties well mm-hmm. and I can myself, but once we start, yeah, you know, and, and that's why I say that's the reason I stop and pray into those things because um I have to center myself. Yeah, yeah. I have to be participating. If I'm not participating and I'm going through the motions, I get real disillusioned with my job here. Yeah. I, I, I get real. And that's where I have to go pull back and be like, I, I need to, I need to call some people that are like yeah. mentors to me or just spiritual, you know, just people that would encourage, you know, yeah. and, and just make sure that I am. And it doesn't mean like, I'm, you know, uh, doesn't mean every week I'm full of zeal, but that's my goal. My goal is to be even from the moment I wake up in the morning and yeah. I, I I grab Bill's sermon and read it. You know, yeah. it's just that that's usually the first thing I do in the because I want to connect with what we're about to do. I want to be present with it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, we're we're, just, we're doing a study right now on on um, C.S. Lewis and the Screw Tape Letters, and there's a section in there where he talks about the law of undulation, which is a fancy word to say the ebbs and flows, ups and downs of whatever human feels. You know, particularly in the relationship with God. So there's like a natural, there's a natural, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes we feel close to God and sometimes we don't feel close to God. Sometimes we are in the moment of worship and sometimes we're disconnected. Like we can't, and mm-hmm. it's not because we've done anything right or wrong necessarily. Sometimes right. it is, but this is just the way it works, you know? And so there's there's a way of trying to be self-aware, mm-hmm. you know, seeing things as they are uh, and 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 allowing God to, to use those moments to change us. Because sometimes it's those moments where we feel furthest away from God. And, mm-hmm. of course, it's all on our end because God is always present. God is always present, right? Uh, but it's those moments when we feel furthest away from God that God's actually doing some of the hardest work on us, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that translates no. into some of what you've done with worship. but No, that's good. I, um, but what you just said is God is, is always present. Yeah. And, uh, and it really doesn't take a lot. I don't think. I mean, I know I've I've been in some dark seasons of life where God feels really far away, but it doesn't take that much to uh, stop and be and and be aware of His presence. Yeah, Yeah. it really doesn't take that much. But but usually it's our, our, you know, however you want to word this, it's uh, 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 it's guilt or shame or it's it's these things that we try try to. uh, some kind of wall that we've put up. Yeah, and we begin to believe that God's not, you know, I, I can't stand before him. I can't yeah. come before him because of that, you know. And yeah. I think that's a, a, a real part that people, especially in the South, where we grow up, you know, having this face in front of this person and this face in front of this person. Then we come into church and go, I'm supposed to have this face here. 
And that's something I speak to a lot. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. no matter what you've done this week, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you feel like or think, what you know, God is here, He's present. And if you'll just barely step out and say, Okay, I'm here, <laughs> speak to me, I think he will, you know. Yeah. Um It feels like a way you've soaked up more of that evangelist, the uh Saturday yeah. night to Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Matt. Um, as we, as we start to think about wrapping up here, um, what what what's next? What it, is is there anything going on with you or with what God has led you here at, at Northside Church? It, do you have a vision or a plan or an idea or, or an idea? You know, so, is there something that that God has laid on your heart for what's next? Either either here at Northside Church or. With you personally, you know, you I know you've made you like I said before, you've you've dropped a couple albums while you've been here. Is, are you working on an album? Are you working on a big? Are we gonna go hip hop with our praise and worship? Big change? Are we gonna drop? You know, like are talk we getting to me. pyrotechnics? Are we getting py- Yeah, are we finally getting pyrotechnics <laughs> in the in the worships? Now, talk to huh. me a little bit about what you see as coming next uh, in yeah. in your life and ministry. Well, um, you know, this last year has just been a lot of uh, waiting. And, um, yeah, so, so I'm ready for that to be over with, but I, I do feel a stirring, you know, there's a thing, there's seasons of life that come where you yeah. feel a shift begin to happen. And I do feel that I can't speak directly to it to say, I know exactly what's going on, but, uh, I know that I would like a revival in my life. Yeah. You know, I would like God to really, um, shake everything in my life um that I have been complacent about. Yeah. As a father, as a husband. Um you know what? And I remember what I was gonna say a minute ago. Yeah, say it. So uh as a married man of twenty one years, I sometimes I'm in love with my my wife and sometimes I'm just committed to her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think with our relationship with God, um for me, and I, I think there's days, speaking of being in worship on Sunday yeah. mornings, where we come in and we are moved and we are hungry. And uh, there's times where we come in committed. Yeah. And I think that is a good yeah. place. That, the important both part. places are okay. Um, the important part being that we, we come in. We come right, in. Right, we're right. committed. Yeah. We're committed. We show yeah. up. Yeah. So that was uh, my, my thought. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, it feels dangerous to say it out loud. But yes, <laughs> Nick feels the same way. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, but we, but we life have, with everything. I yeah, mean, no, usually I she reminds like me when I'm in a committed only phase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what? In today's world, yeah, commitment is uh, that's a big deal. You know. That's a big deal. So, but with everything in life, you know, there's times with our jobs or whatever it is where yeah, you absolutely you, yeah you love your what you've called what you've been called to do, and there's sometimes where you show up. And, uh, and you know what, there's a couple of, there's a, there's a book called, uh, the war of art, uh, okay. not the art of war, which is the The war of art. It was written for, uh, for, uh, writers, for people who okay. write, yeah. but it's been taken into business and into ministry and yeah. every aspect of life because he just speaks to resistance. He's like, resistance is always there every morning when you wake up yeah. and all day long, just to kick your butt, you know, yeah. take you off task. Yeah. And, um, so once you're aware of that and you know that, then, you, you know, the goal is to not be so swayed. Right. You know, you're just going to be taken of off task. Yeah, just being aware of it. Yeah. Um, but That's, even in our walk with God, you yeah. know, and and that much more reason to fight and, and to fight for, Yeah. you know, um, showing up. Yeah. So, but um, I don't know. I, with all that said, I feel like as far as something new, I, I cannot wait to have the room full. Of energy oh, and man, people yeah. again, you know, Getting people back in the in the service. Yeah, and I I think, I think in the process of that, a lot of new things are going to come. Um, I do want to record some new music. I want to record some new songs. Um, I want to do some for the church, and I also have a vision of doing some uh, a bunch of some music of my own outside the church. Okay, and I don't know what that. I feel like the church has a little bit of an identity uh, sonically. Um, that I don't want to really steer away from, so I think it'll be a little bit separated. Okay. Um, but I think they'll both work together and benefiting, you know?
Well, Matt, thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining us for this podcast. It took you forever to get on here, but once you finally did, it paid off. And uh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Um, you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, happy. Cool. I'm yeah. happy to be here. I'm Do you have thankful any, that it you, finally you have anything out. you want to say to the people of Northside before we sign off today? I want to see you here. Please come back. Please come back. And remind. Contemporary worship, 9 a.m. Yeah, 9 a.m. That's right. So come, remind your friends, tell them. And, uh, you know, people have created new habits on Sunday mornings. And uh, so I hope that people would, uh, you know, be aware of that, the value of showing up. Yeah. Maybe some of those habits. That is a really good point. I mean, we are asking the congregation to come up with a new habit. Come at 9 a.m., in the fall, stick around for Sunday school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then go to brunch. And yeah. they've all had the habit of just staying home in the pajamas. Drinking coffee. And drinking and coffee and watching worship online. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, we should we should do some work on that. Talk about that some more sometime. We do need to talk about Show new habits. That needs new to be a, habits. We are habituated people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah back in the are. habit. It's like Sister Act 2. Back in the habit. <laughs> Let's go. Nick, you got anything you want to say to people on our side? You know... Happy Easter Tide. Happy Easter Tide indeed. Guys, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>